This is John Shannon with Radio Free Galisteo, and I am speaking today with Linda Tellington Jones, who is the visionary pioneer of interspecies connection. And I am joined also by Denise Lynch, one of our producers here at Radio Free Galisteo, who worked extensively with Linda. Let Denise give a little bit more of introduction. Well, I guess I'll start because it's all about storytelling. So Linda first came into my radar screen. She'd been here helping my mother with a mare that was pregnant that had an injury. And there'd been an article in Equus that Priscilla had read. And she started using this touching technique with this mare and had amazing results. Subsequently, Linda was invited to Galisteo. I didn't either, either through Priscilla or the Light Institute. I don't know, or all of it. We were all kind Priscilla. of. I, at the time, was a young amateur rider. And I, there was a lot of horse people at that time. There was a lot of people that were starting to be kind of like rising stars. But what really triggered me about Linda Tellington Jones was I heard that she had worked on some snow leopards in the Zurich Zoo. And it gathered my curiosity. And she'd worked on them so that they could have less anxiety and less stress. That piqued my interest. And then once I met you, you became my fabulous fairy godmother beyond description. <laughs> and the rest is kind of a history, which there's so many stories. All at, We'll just see which ones come up. That's my memory. What's yours? <laughs> well, it's amazing. I was doing a workshop at a ranch out there somewhere. Do you remember in New Mexico? It was, remember in it was? It was up for Farmington. Yes. And, yes. And it was uh, owned by a doctor and a rancher. And he invited me to stay with him. And they did this two-day presentation. And there were a lot of people, probably 100 people there. But I saw your mother. And we just like, I said, I really want to know that person. And so I, I spoke with her at one of the breaks. And then at the end, she invited me to come to Galisteo to do a workshop. And I said, oh, I would love to come. But I and she wanted me like now because of that mirror. Yeah. And sure. that mirror had been diagnosed at the University of uh, Vet School at Denver as hope, no chance for saving her. And she was in fall. Yeah, but it was her leg that was bad. Right. So I said, oh, I would just love to come. But I'm really I'm booked like two months. This was a 19, was it 81? Yeah. 83. No, no, no. It had to be 83. It had to be 83, 83, 84. So I went home and I, I was living, I had a home in Carmel, California at that point. And I, I walked in the door and I remember thinking, I'm supposed to go to Galisteo. And I called Tom Mitchell, who'd been working with me for years. And I said, Tom, can you do these trainings for me, these weekend trainings? And he said, yes. And so I came. And... I remember looking at that mayor. I, I wish we'd interviewed Priscilla about this before. And I looked at her and I said, you couldn't touch her ears. She didn't want her ears touched. And so I took me a while to bring her head down and work her ears. And I said, until you can touch her ears, that leg will not heal. And so I just started focusing because when you, when you really pay attention to the ears, really, it has a connection to the entire body, the entire nervous system. So I, was able to do that and you know as you know the mare healed and and then and then priscilla started working on her because she was pregnant con connecting with the foal in her belly mm -hmm. and i remember her saying that when that just with these gentle like what we call abalone touches connecting being able to connect with that foal inside and i remember your mom saying when that foal was billy was i think it was a billy was born 
that they had an instant recognition. And it's like she was already half trained. It was so interesting. And then your mom uh, said, I booked a, a session, session with, with Chris Griscom at the Light Institute. And, but it's at six in the morning. It's the only time she could take you. Ha! And of course I went and it was completely life-changing. I don't know. I've made many, many, many trips back to Galisteo to work with Chris and still continue to work with her, you know, today. And you were a resident of Galisteo then at subsequently at one point. I, I was renting. I was going to buy that house across the street. Mm-hmm. Mm. And but but instead I bought the place we bought the place in uh, Pohake. We had so many so many good times at your place. Oh my gosh! When I think of her gallery and and the and you know that big piece that I have of her that of course we're shipping to Florida. It's huge. That, oh great! Yeah, it's oh, a yeah goddess on, goddess with Pegasus. And we've had some celebrations under the tree. Some trainings oh. here. The Feldenkrais work um, we had. That was a big part of what we were all being taught and doing through you. We're recording today from the gallery. So that's where Radio Free Galisteo is located currently. Yes, yeah. uh, Linda, you are known for the Tellington Method. We 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 introduced you as a, a visionary and a pioneer of interspecies communication. Connection. Connection. Interspecies <laughs> connection. But can you tell us about the method? Right. And the thing is, the reason I say connection instead of communication, uh, today, uh, interspecies communication, where you actually connect with the animal telepathically, is really important. Uh, but it's a, a little, it's quite different from what we do with this connection. And we have this, this method that we have developed first for horses, and that's what you knew, Denise, first of all, and then for dogs. And that naturally led us into touching, working with humans. But it's a, for animals, for horses and for dogs, it's a combination of not just this very gentle, basic moving the tissue in one and a quarter times and stopping. And we finally discovered after all these years that, that the reason that it reduces pain and fear in animals and people, and you can do it yourself, is that's that amazing golden ratio or golden cut that right. is in all of nature. And right. it's like turning, when you move the tissue, it's not over, it's moving the tissue. When you do that, it's like turning a key to connect into the amazing divine source intelligence in every cell in our body. Now that's one part of the work. That's a Fibonacci yeah. sequence that you're talking about. I think everyone remembers that with a shell or a comet. Exactly. Yes. It's in, and it's in our, our DNA has the same shape. And that's why we can actually shift things in our body. And that's only part of it. The work on the body is a part. We have all these wonderful elements that we work over called, we, we now call it the playground for higher learning with horses and for dogs. And then we have special equipment that we've developed. And we have... One of the big part of the method is the observation, looking at the animal, not in a place of judgment, to get a sense of how they move, how they stand, what their posture is. Because what we've discovered is that if you want to change the behavior or the performance or the well-being or the relationship with your animal, you have to change the posture in order to do that to come to a place of balance. And we talk about balance, not just physical balance, but mental and emotional balance. And one of the key elements of the work also 
is this basic keys to success. And that is, hmm, if you want to change your animal or yourself, again, performance, <laughs> your behavior, your well-being, or your relationship with yourself or your animals, you have to change your mind and learn to hold what you would like rather than focusing on what you don't like. And that's what we all do. Oh, oh, we judgment, this, this place of judgment. So part of the learning is to hold the wow factor. Wow, no matter what we're looking at, look at what's working in the body. Look at, see the beauty. It's, you know, you would relate to that so much, the beauty way. You know, that beauty way, I think I'm very influenced by Chris Griscom and uh, Math, uh, the Joni concept yes. of the beauty way. But that's what I see when I look at an animal or a person. I don't see what's wrong. That's part of where we're, we're a little different in our approach. I see, wow, look at this being is a miracle. Why do I say that? Uh, why I say that, you all? How come we can breathe? Why, how do we see? I mean, why does our blood flow? Anybody think about that? That is source <laughs> and intelligence in every cell in our body. And the thing that is so exciting about it is that <laughs> Dr. Bruce Lipton is, has had so much influence on me in terms of looking at the communication and connection between the cells. That's what's really exciting about this work. And anybody can do it, as you know, Denise. You've been a master at helping hundreds of people to listen with their hands, which is kind of a Native American thing of sorts, but to really listen with their hands and then listen to what the hands do to the animal, that whole thing. And I know there's been scientific research done on the, the method and what it does to brain waves, what it does to alleviate stress, what it does to alleviate anxiety, and then to enhance performance and connection. And I, I just want to throw out some visual images of you being at a training in Germany with all of the upper level riders and all of that, and all their equipment and all of their knowledge. And then you taking a, well, I guess you called it the prayer. I, I called it the prayer rope, but what did you call it? The, the circle. The, the circle. Oh, the liberty ring. The Liberty right. Ring, putting it on one of those gigantic monsters, those elite athletes, and riding it around in front of people. And everyone was just blown away that the horse would respond to that kind of touch. So that was one thing. Also, camel races. I've seen you do amazing work on camels to get the camel to do. You've won camel races in Australia. Uh, we've worked on dolphins. We worked on the python Joyce, which was a very, very interesting thing for people to know. They had that problem with her respiratory and you went and you could troubleshoot by listening to her. We stretched her out and everybody worked on little lifts on her and got her breathing when you were talking about breathing. That was an amazing thing. I want to tell you the, the story of the snow leopard, actually, yes. what happened. And it's in the introduction to one of my <laughs> 22 books now that are published in 16 languages. I mean, I'm totally blessed. I, I don't see this from a point of view of ego. I say it from such a place of feeling blessed by, um, by my amazing publishers, German and English publishers, to always ask me to do another book. And so I have. And the, in the introduction to my book, The Tellington Method, by Dr. Easton Dougal, Avald Easton Dougal, who was a head vet at the Zurich Zoo. And I was there giving a, an evening presentation to vet students at the University of Zurich. 
And they had at the zoo um, two young snow leopards. They were nine months old who had developed a, a respiratory disease and they couldn't identify the base of it and they had not been successful treating them and their temperature were, it was off the charts and they were afraid they were going to lose them. So during the day, Aval, Dr. Ethan Dougal was, has been a friend since before he graduated and I was at his, at his retirement party at the university. That's how long I've known him. He asked me to look at these snow leopards. Is there anything that T-Touch could do to help them because they used everything that they knew in the veterinary world and they couldn't get the fever down. So we go into the back of the, you know, into the back part and the keeper picked up this snow leopard. Of course they've been handled because they've gotten shots and all this stuff, put her on my lap and said, you've got five minutes. So I, first of all, her head was over here. She was on my lap and the tail was touching the ground. And every breath was bloody mucus out of her nostrils. Mm. And I just started at, the, at her nose and I did these tiny, tiny touches with my fingertips that we have given animal names to all the different parts of your hand that you use. And that was the raccoon touch. You know how raccoons have these delicate little hands. So I just like, and what I did, and maybe you remember this, Denise, I simply emptied my head like a gourd and I left a space for the infinite possibility, which is a quantum science concept of just allowing, supporting that incredible divine intelligence in every cell in the body to function. Because when there's any kind of problem, the communication between the cells, according to Dr. Bruce Lipton, is inhibited. And so I'm just holding with an empty head, like a gourd. It's a whole other story how I learned to do that. And I went down the whole body, along the spine, all the way to the tip of her tail, with total, no concept, I'm going to heal this animal. No, no, no. I'm just connecting to that intelligence. And as the other, there was two of them. The other one was watching me from about 10 feet away. I'm, I'm closing my eyes because I'm thinking of being there, working on her. And I was just having, sending the message to her, watch, feel this, feel this. To, to the one that couldn't feel it, she was from a distance. And of course we know this works just as well from a distance. So when I put her down, they took her temperature and it was normal. And Dr. Isendugo wrote about that in the foreword of one of my books. It's actually in German, it's, it's translated to the new way and the new way in, in working with animals. So that's the snow leopard story. <laughs> Linda, that gets right to the core of, and you know, I'm, I imagine there are probably some people out there going, oh, this is uh, some of that, you know, woo woo stuff. This is really based in science. That's right. And particularly what you we were just talking about and my very brief uh, examination of some of some of your work in theory, the whole idea of mirror neurons comes out. Absolutely. And yep. do you do you want to speak to that and why that that seems to be? And for, for me, it sounds like that's where a lot of this this you know so called in quotes power is coming from. It's it's something that as you you've said, everyone has. Well, the the power is the divine spark that intelligence in every cell in our body 
It's the intelligence of the universe. We forget that we're perfect at the cellular level. And I learned that from in 1976 from a book called Man on His Nature by Sir Charles Sherrington, who was a Nobel Prize winner. That was the only book of philosophy that he wrote. And it was his concept is that every cell in the body knows its function in the body. And I remember sitting there reading that. Maybe you've heard this story before. Denise, I was in Morvenpick restaurant in Stuttgart, Germany, in a cold winter night, <laughs> February 1976. And Dr. Moshe Feldenkrais had recommended that we read this book by Sir Charles Sherrington. And I was reading this book, and when I read his concept that every cell in the body knows its function in the body, I remember putting the book down, looking at my fingers and thinking, because I'd only had 12 weeks at that point with Dr. Moshe Feldenkrais at the Humanistic Psychology Institute in San Francisco. And I remember thinking, when I don't yet know how to do the miracles that we had seen Dr. Feldenkrais do, all I have to do is say, cells, just remind this body of its potential for ideal function. And that is one of the nine elements. One of the reasons the Tellington method is so reasonable to learn is that we have the logical techniques and then we merge that with the science and the spirituality, what's really behind it. We're all miracles. It's We're amazing what happens with it. It's hard, to, it's hard to describe to people what happens when you do that to a nervous system of an animal or even just to yourself. What the space that it creates it may i think it's really the art of living it adds an amazing thing to the art of living with animals and in that book on page 90 greg braden talks about this book is called the secrets of the lost mode of prayer by greg braden mm -hmm. and on page 90 he talks about what happens in the space between when we allow for the infinite possibility which is the concept of quantum science this is what happened with when people look at relationships historically, like with the American Indian with with animals or on the Mongolian plains, or you hear Dr. Doolittle magical stories like that. Don't you think that that's kind of addressing what's going on? Like the human potential is being perceived? My feeling, because I don't know this, because I haven't studied this. It's just my feeling from also how I see it. When I acknowledge the power of the spirit, the great spirit source, whatever we want to call that. And I see that possibility. We have that uh, uh, connection that happens that activates the possibilities for ideal function. Did you witness that with your grandfather, who I kind of want to bring him into the fold, because that was another story of yours I loved, who worked with racehorses in Russia, I believe? What I got from my grandfather, uh, Will Kaywood, I never met him as a whole, we could do a whole thing on that. Uh, I didn't meet him until he was 80 years old. He had been as American jockey hired to ride racehorses of an Austrian count in Moscow and he, in, in 1902. And he liked it so much, he stayed on and began training horses. And one of his grooms was a gypsy named Orloff, interesting. Right? <laughs> Between eagle in Russia. <laughs> right, exactly. And he showed a type of massage, of gypsy massage, that that and it was little rubbing things over right. the whole body, every inch of the body. And and he did that with all his horses. And in nineteen oh five, my grandfather Will Kaywood won the prestigious 
Tsar Nicholas II award for the being the leading trainer at the Moscow racetrack at the Hippodrome. And you and I have been there. We've, yeah, that gives me chills because when we were there, you were telling that story. We were watching the track where he had trained all of the Exactly. Which is an interesting thing to talk about, too. I want to bring into this the Animal Ambassadors International, which was part of my training with you. And we went to the Soviet Union during the Cold War, of course, to work at Bitsa at the Olympic Center with the riders and with the veterinarians because they didn't have the resources that x-rays and all kinds of medicines and drugs and everything. So you were teaching them how to do this technique and training us. It was a wonderful coordination of circle and but speak to animal ambassadors how that unfolded <laughs> well oh my goodness in the former soviet union when you walked in a hotel it's like no communication no connection like they were we were the enemy we foreigners if you remember yeah. uh in the hotels and so i remember one day i i walked up i was wearing my fox ring and I was wearing one of my one of my wonderful oh a fetish necklace yeah fetish necklace. fetish necklace and and when I walked up the person standing before smiled at me unheard of and asked me about it we started talking about what I do with animals and it totally opened the doors and then I was asked to give a presentation to a group of six uh, sixth grade children in a Russian school. And so I, I wore this beautiful Native American piece that I have and told them about the connection with the animals that we do. And, and we then started, we did a telephone to telephone connection with a school in California. And the kids who loved animals got to talk with each other. And that's how I created the Animal Ambassador Program. And that still goes on with Jane Ellen Kavakovich, who was a teacher in California who started that who did it brought it to california and and she still teaches it in charter school so it's it was amazing and i mean talk about the opening the doors remember when i took you all i took your group and we went to the hippodrome and they actually brought horses out and we rode do you remember that riding yes, i do yes it was wild we all also went to austria remember that on the trip Yes. What all? What do you remember? Oh, and remember those things that we bought. You and I the bought Caucasian those. cloaking devices. Those God, were those I beautiful wish. felt pieces that they historically had worn on horseback in the winter. We called them the Caucasian cloaking devices because yeah. they were Caucasus Mountains, totally cold, and and they're completely warm. And, and then it came in handy when we went to Iceland because it was very cold in Iceland. Remember, we went to go shopping for horses for your sister, Robin Hood. She was shopping for uh, Icelandic ponies. We went tolting. Yeah, we went tolting under the midnight sun. It was amazing. That yep. was just incredible. This is Radio Free Galisteo. Music and information from the Galisteo Basin. Radio Free Galisteo is listener supported. Go to www.radiofreegalisteo.com and click on our Patreon support button to become an active supporting member of Radio Free Galisteo. And I can't remember, did we sleep in tents there? 
Yes, we did. We went, we, went at, we arrived from Russia from the opulence to somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Iceland and put our tents up and it was snowing ice. I remember we all got in and then they had a barn dance they invited us to. So we all went to go dancing to get warm. It was really wonderful. <laughs> I don't remember that. And tell us about what you remember at the, at, when we visited the zoo. Were you there when I worked with Joyce? Were you there? With Joyce? Yeah, at the in the San Diego Zoo Park. Yes, I was because we were on our way to Hawaii and Australia during that time, and right. you were piggybacking with it. I remember a lot of. Remember, it was in the paper. It made the papers. I remember a lot of it was that just a very common sense thing of going in and you know you kind of objectively and subjectively looking at a situation how they were keeping an animal and they had her crushed in a small place and she needed to be opened up so that her lung could be. Well, Start the to thing work. is, it was a standard way of keeping pythons, and she wasn't in, she didn't have any water, and pythons love water, but no. she didn't have any way to stretch out and move. And so, when she, when I started to work on her, she was coiled, of course, and she was used in an education program. So, she was used to people being around her and being touched all the time, you know, handled. So, when I started to do tea touches on her, like just these movements in the skin. You can do it on yourself, if those of you watching this, because when you do one and a quarter circles, ah, it just can give you a sense of well-being. Anyway, so I started doing it and she wasn't interested. I could see, I didn't make a connection. So I intuitively put my hands on, oh, and sorry, I forgot why I was asked to work with her because she had pneumonia. And she had it every spring. And so um, snakes are a lot of lung in that body. And when it's not stretching and moving, it's like, you know, doesn't get the movement it should. So I intuitively put my hands under her body and just this little lift up, nice breath, and back. Now there's very little movement. It's just an indication of a movement. But I, as I did this, she stretched out like uncoiled mm -hmm. if you remember that and then we let her go for a slither and then we have a picture of four of us like with her stretched out and all of us putting our hands under underneath that's how we got the, what we call the python lift that's when you put your hands on it lift your skin take a breath and just accompany the skin back it's a very little movement but it's amazing what she did after you all, which is part of the connection, the communication, it was, I was being filmed uh, for this. And I kneeled down. I don't know if you remember this. I kneeled down and she was close to us and she came, Joyce was the Python's name. She came and she reached up and put her head, the side of her head against my ear. Mm -hmm. Just quite, just a, this set stayed there and then laid across my lap and the guy who was editing the film that night he wasn't the filmmaker he told me after that he was terrified of snakes couldn't even look at a picture of them but when he was having to film this and when he saw her do this it was so clear that she was saying thank you that in that moment he lost his fear of snakes were you there the next day for the it was the zookeepers conference. I was on the stage with a, I forget which animal I had. I worked with an owl and a serval. 
But then she was off to the side of the stage and they put her down. I was kneeling on the stage because I'd been touching the serval. Mm-hmm. And she came, this was in the paper, she came across the stage, reached up, touched, flicked my forehead, and lay across my lap. Mm-hmm. I was there, I remember. It was so thrilling. That's what was reported. <laughs> now, you know what? It's said that snakes don't have connection with, you know, no connection with people. It's just not, it's not true. Mm. It's absolutely not true. And that's why, to me, it's it's not just a communication. It's a and it's a connection. And today, Denise, I've gone way past just thinking this is a communication with your hands listening. No, no, no. Sure. It's with the heart. Mm-hmm. And it, it's thanks to the amazing research. And if those of you listening do not know Heart Math Institute, treat yourselves because it's been studied for, now they've done these studies for 24 years. Our heart has more intelligence than our brains. And when you dare, as you do, Denise, with the work that you do to open your hearts to animals and to Mother Nature and our environments and to ourselves and to each other. When we dare to do that, magic happens. Well, we had that conversation, I remember, in one of our journeys where we talked about they had all those studies. We only use 10% of our brain. And we weren't concerned about that. We were concerned about using all of our heart and connecting our thumbs, our opposable thumbs, really identifying that that's what makes us different and what can be done with our human capacity. I'm really grateful to you for all of the things I've learned. It's it's like, I can't imagine how quickly and how thoroughly and how how much you've benefited my work with animals. It's just second nature now. It's not really something that's separate from how I move through space. Right, of course. Once you learn this technique, I think, and once you see what it can do and you get an idea of that space, it's just second nature. It happens with whatever, it happens with whatever creativity you're doing, actually. I I want you to talk about, because it's like, you know, down memory lane, your memory of what, of the parts that we did in Australia. The 10 day camel safari was what was so incredible because it was 10 days long and we were, we had fantasy day. When we arrived, remember Neil was the guy that picked us up. We had so much luggage and it was fantasy day. So we all had gowns and scarves and to begin this camel safari. No, the, the thing is that was my requirement, Denise, that you bring a costume that you would dream about riding in the desert. Yes. And so, and we, and we, we dressed and landed came out of this little plane landing in Alice Springs at the very tiny airport then. And, um, and we came out like a bunch of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I'd have pulled up the pictures for that because. Um, yeah, that was pretty wonderful. Was- and I remember that we had, you know, you had taught me that it's not a whip, it's a wand. And I'd carried my wand to have from with my camel was a young camel named vengeance i remember and he was just like a young what are they called cult or whatever and you taught me how to side pass on him you taught me how to work his ears and his nose and so we had this 10-day relationship with this amazing creature in safari we rode all over camped out it was really really amazing just a blast do you remember the night oh my gosh at one point where we were camped the clouds were coming like unbelievable black clouds and I said, oh, my God, if this is in New Mexico, this would bring like heaps of snow. What's going to happen? And so we ran like crazy when it stopped and jumped into our, I forget now what we call those uh, swags. And we just pulled our heads down and it rained uh, like uh, cats and dogs. But everybody was dry because we had these amazing 
uh, we were out we were out sleeping we weren't in tents we were just yeah, sleeping like that oil skin it was the oil skin stuff yeah i remember right yeah. pretty wild <laughs> linda we've talked about the the tellington method and t-touch how do people connect to that has there is there an online resource how would people find it well to, to if you are interested in learning it you can now learn it online and you go to learn.ttouch.ca ca for canada because my amazing sister robin hood who also teaches this around the world in person and now on zoom and my niece mandy pretty um, have developed this wonderful program that we have so you can learn online and um, we've been holy mackerel you all i have been stuck here thanks to COVID in hawaii we have a beautiful home in hawaii but um, um usually we're only here maybe four or five months a year and the rest of the time i'm teaching in europe mostly and around the u.s so for two years i've been here but now i start on the 12th of march Yahoo! we are getting on a ship that takes us from fort lauderdale um through the mediterranean to morocco and then up the coast of uh, portugal and france to the uk and i'm i've got 86 people waiting for me in a dog class on wow. the first and second of of march and so you can you can also follow tellington t touch world facebook and you can see all the kinds of many many different workshops and like every single almost every week we have some webinar for what we call the tellington t touch community so you can for 999 a month you can have access to a whole library of all my my recordings and the past webinars which there are many 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 of them and you can get questions answered you hear the discussions in the facebook site so you can also see me and linda tellington jones i have a you know a facebook thing and i i do have youtube you can see and i'm i'm just terrible i don't even we have several so i don't know which one to send me to it's my vision to bring some of these wonderful talks that i give more bring them more on youtubes because i get to meet like this um, yes well i think you have a yeah. very there's a very uh, healthy and accessible internet presence yeah so and we'll put wrong. links to we'll put all the links you mentioned and any youtube links you want to send us as part of the podcast so our listeners can go and follow well that way. yeah well, now that you're globe trotting again we need to keep track of you <laughs> Right. but you can also go to amazon and i have many many books for dogs horses humans what do you think is going on and what's going to happen in the world with people and animals as as we evolve what do you see uh what i see is a planet in chaos and it's time that we go inside and remember our spiritual connection and what's important and begin to appreciate and honor mother earth and you know we're seeing when you read what's going on and the destruction on the planet something that i tapped into it was 1984 i was doing a process of out of the body experience and i went out through the gates of orion this is a guided experience and what I saw, you all, that gives us hope, is that we're right here, all of us who love 
Mother Earth and all her animals are creating a sister planet, a mirror to this. We talked about mirror neurons. Mm -hmm. And and people, you see, on this Earth, I think you maybe remember, Denise, some of the past life stuff I've done. I We're here on this Earth to remember that we are all one. And for those who choose and find that way, that's like living on heaven on Earth, no matter what the chaos is around. Because mm -hmm. we've got hell, we've got purgatory. It's when hell is when we choose to want control. We see that everywhere. Beautifully said. And well, it's part, I mean, we've gone down before and it's happening again, but it's about going inside and finding that, remembering that divine spark in us all and choosing to do the best we can to make a difference. And the thing that I, that is so, I think so exciting, every person makes a difference by every thought you have, every feeling, every emotion, every word you speak, and every belief you have. When you choose to go to gratitude, whenever you feel fearful, when you choose gratitude, that puts out a positive vibration on the planet. And it's about, for me, it's about prayer and just holding. We're all one. And you, I mean, you, from the Native American, you come from the base of that. We're one with all of nature. Definitely. The same. Well, it really it makes a difference too when you hold that. The animals respond to people when they do that too. It's just... well, the animals respond when we are in a place of heart coherence, mm -hmm. and and how we feel when we look at, at this and think, "Oh, the poor thing," that is not helpful to that animal. It's not helpful to ourselves. Right. Hold the possibility for change. Hold that something will be done to alleviate their, bring them to a place of knowing of their connection and that things will that will change one of the I'm, things that you taught me early on was to not just use my imagination but that if i did things in a non-habitual way if i could just find a different way and experiment a little bit so i didn't feel you know to not listen to that it had to be done a certain way to, to ride a horse that they had to buck to be broke that they had to do this that none of that none of that was really what i had to choose i could choose to do a non-habitual way and i remember at the time there were two things that I really liked. I loved wearing rhinestones in the show ring. Of course, that was verboten at that time. Now everybody, <laughs> and you were very right. smart. Wear whatever makes you feel happy and makes you feel joyous on the horse. And the other was is that I loved blue toenail polish, really strange colors of blue. And you said we were so at Epcot one time at a, a conference, and you said Moshe would really like that. He would really like it. <laughs> and so I, that was a one for the artist in me and the equestrian artist that I aspired to be. That was so helpful because I knew that if I would just be creative and I would try something non-habitual and just stay open, that I would I would make a lot of success early yeah. and quickly. And the, and the horse would like it, too, because they weren't they wouldn't know what to expect. I mean, the only reason you can train a horse is because they're curious. That's the only reason that you can get on them at all. And I remember that was really, really fun. I have so many stories of you I like, but this is the one I really love. So you told me one time there was a horse and everybody was having trouble riding. And what you did is you rode her at night. Yeah. It was my mayor, Ben Galita, when I was training her first. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to ride my horse at night. So I was riding out in the subdivision before they had any houses out there. I think maybe there was maybe one. On one night, I rode him every full moon and out in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, who walks up? You. <laughs> you go walking in the desert and it was pitch black 
And it was one of the most mystical, incredible good omens I've ever experienced. And there I was on Hurrah, who was like bright, white, glowing. And you walked up and you said, oh, he looks good. He's on the bit. You look like you're doing really well. It was like this crazy writing lesson in the middle of the night. So I don't know if you remember that or not at all, but. That was and you're sure it was really there in the physical, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to share something with you that is that's beyond what I knew at that point, because um, we have gone on to do more studying of the of the activation of both hemispheres, thanks to the work that we did with Anna Wise. And in 1984, uh, first, I don't know if you were there, in 85. I'll be back in Colorado. Yeah, were you there? Yes, for part of it. <laughs> So, so this was a study with Anna Wise from the, she was then the director of the uh, Biofeedback Institute of Boulder. And she was working with the awakened mind state developed by Maxwell Cave for states of consciousness. And we were hooked up. And when we found that when we were, that is hooked up to the, to the computer to measure the, the uh, awakened mind state, which is ideal state for activation of beta, alpha, theta, and delta brainwaves in both hemispheres. What we found when we moved the tissue in one circle and a quarter, that's when we got this activation in both hemispheres. Now, why is that important? Because in order to be here with together, we have to have logical part of our brain activated. But in order to survive happily, we have to have that activation of the right brain. Now, of course, they both have part, but basically our right brain is responsible for our creativity, our feeling, and how much feeling has been shut down now because of COVID, our intuition, and our compassion. And the point is that when we do this now, the, the bodywork part of the Tellington method, move, the basic part is moving the tissue in this basic one and a quarter circle. So in order, we do a heart hug. And I want to leave you all with this heart hug. When you're feeling stressed or you think, oh, my God, I can't handle this, put one hand, just curve it lightly over the other, very lightly on your chest, which is your heart chakra in the center. Now, imagine on the wall, there is that old-fashioned kind of clock with numbers on it that we went to school with. Put it here. Why do we put the clock? On the clock, we put the numbers, imagine number six toward the ground. Not nine, right shoulder. Not 12, toward the chin. And three, toward the left shoulder. Why do I say that? Because that's a method. And anything to do with numbers and methods activates our Hmm. logic our left brain now anything we imagine imagining activates the right brain movement activates the right brain so you catch the skin very lightly with whatever part of the hand you can catch it with at six and you go nice breath in up to nine and it's a tiny movement to move the skin on your chest uh, nine twelve three six nine and take a deep deep breath and in through your nose and out through gently pursed lips what we call orca breath and just do it a couple of times like in a little pause between the two and think of something 
for what you are very grateful. Because when you bring in gratitude and you move the tissue in this way and you breathe in this way, we take that those looping thoughts from the control of the sympathetic nervous system, like the fight, flight, freeze, faint, and fool around, huh? and we activate our ability to think, our forebrain. Mm. And it puts us in heart coherence. And when we are in that state, the animals feel it, as you said to start this off, right? The animals feel it, and those mirror neurons that we feel our animals want to be with us. Mm -hmm. But it also, that heart coherence is the state from which we learn the most. And it's the state of healing. Mm -hmm. And one and a quarter. And you can go in the other direction. Some people will say, no, 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 I want to go to the left. Do what feels right to you. Mm -hmm. Doesn't yeah. matter which way it is. One and a quarter. Stop. Feel. Now, when you stretch your lips in a little smile, to some thinking about something for which you're grateful, that smile activates the serotonin, the feel-good hormone. When we do it lightly, what do we activate? The oxytocin, the trust hormone. So huh. the big hill, that's all you have to do. Just spread it out, give it to your friends. Whenever you have these awful losing thoughts, you know, or a song that you can't stop singing, or you have this, you know, three words that go over and over. Take that imaginary clock off the wall, stick it there, and you will be able to stop those thoughts and come to a place of peace. I think that's fascinating in that, you know, as you said, you because you're using your imagination, but you're using the numbers, you both both sides of your brain become engaged. Right. Uh, yep. It's fascinating. And yep. simple. And simple. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, I ask our guests final thoughts, but I think that was a really good final thought right there. Yes. <laughs> but I do have one really short final thought. Okay. In these days where there is so much fear, listen to the news, you see all the stuff that's happening. Anytime you feel fear, shift over to something for which you're grateful. Gratitude mm -hmm. overrides fear. Need to think i i mean there are times through covid when i had to write down i have a place to live i have something to eat i have friends we have connections and i pray for all those who don't that's a, a great way to wind up you've been listening to linda tellington jones the visionary pioneer of interspecies connection <laughs> radio for galisteo i'm john shannon and i'm denise lynch thank you linda Love you, Denise.